Do you like this show and you want to help support us? Do you want us to stay ad-free? Do you want extra episodes every month? Of course you do. Well, then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro and become a Patreon supporter of this very show. programs and welcome back to another edition of the nerd cave retro show my name is jason robbins and my name is derek diamond i'm still recovering from thanksgiving i don't know about you but the food coma has lasted almost a week now (laughs) you know i say this i've said this every year of thanksgiving but i feel like i gained about 20 pounds after all the food that i ate on thanksgiving same here i'm still working on uh i'm still working on uh leftovers too we we just started oh, man. F- finishing up leftovers today <laughs> yeah we we finished ours i think the sunday or monday after thanksgiving which we we didn't we didn't get a ton of leftovers just cuz we like we ate so much food yeah during lunch that it was like oh, i really don't want to <laughs> food much less look a, at it it's just the two of us and we made so much food we <laughs> I mean we made enough food for like 12 people that's impressive uh mixmaster was asking us if we ever thought about changing the music not really i like our theme music it's we've had it since the beginning and we're gonna keep it till the day we we pod fade when we're like 80 i thought about making that joke after episode 200 that we were going to pod fade. Yeah. <laughs> nah, we're not going anywhere anytime soon. <laughs> but no, so random trivia fact about the theme song of this show. It was so um, Zach Dykes, who was one of my co-hosts on the Nerd Cave podcast back in the day. He wrote five or six songs to possibly use for the intro to that show. Mm-hmm. And one of them was obviously unused. And we used that for yeah. Nerd Cave Retro. So. Little uh, little trivia fact there for you guys. And if we ever do plan on changing it, I have like 10 different theme songs that I had written over the years for like Broke Nerdcast and Pop Culture Palette. I'm sure I could recycle one of those, even one of the ones that were never used. Yeah. Well, it's it's one of those things that it's, to me, just become a part of the show. Oh, yeah. It's How so bouncy it? and... <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, every time that we're, we pl- uh, come on the show live, I'm just kind of bobbing my head to it. yeah. just that catchy beat so uh what what would you play over the thanksgiving holidays so nintendo was actually doing a, a really good sale on uh, black friday so i downloaded a few games and i had um what did i get i got the remastered ghostbusters video game which i've never played but really excited to because i've heard nothing but good things I got the remastered Crash Team Racing, which to me is a very underrated racing game. So I'm excited to go back and play that again. Oh, yeah. And then I got uh, Sonic Forces, which has gotten very mixed reviews since it came out. And so I told myself it's eventually going to go on sale for really cheap. So then I'll get it. Well, it was 10 bucks. So I was like, this is when I'll finally break down and get it. I'll be I'll, I'll give the review. I'll give a very quick review. It's not a good game. Mm. <laughs> I well here here's the thing Sonic as we've documented didn't have the best transition from 2D to 3D now the story of the game is kind of cool but the gameplay of it like the controls are kind of sloppy um, camera issues have plagued that series since it jumped to 3D and they haven't really done much to fix it in my opinion it's just a very okay game yeah very okay hmm what about you? Um, well, I did get uh, the game that we're going to be reviewing tonight. I got on uh, the Switch sale. I got uh, Le- uh, Legend of Zelda: Link's Awakening. Played that all weekend. That's all I did. Let's play that game. That's it. Nothing else. <laughs> it's a good game to play. Yeah, it's been great, and I uh, got quite a few nice things to say about it tonight. I- I'm I'm really curious to to hear your thoughts on it. As someone who never played the original, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah. Uh, Axeblade and Mixmaster both say they're not going to be able to join us when we move to Thursday nights in January, and that sucks. 
because yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I it just works better for both of us to be on on Thursday nights, and uh, uh, maybe you maybe something will will pan out after a while. Because I, I don't know if anybody, um, if you're new to the show or whatever, we do record live on Twitch on Wednesday nights at seven thirty, and uh, coming up in January, we're moving to Thursday nights at eight. Um, so if you want to join us live, we'll be live at eight o'clock on Thursday nights after, after January 1st. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that, and something we're going to have to worry about too, is when baseball comes back Yeah, that in too. April. So, so I'm sure that, you know, for those who have listened to the show since the beginning, you know, the, uh, we have baseball here in Pensacola between the months of April and August. Now it could very well be different because of COVID restrictions. We don't really know exactly what's going to happen yet, yeah. but it, it's, it's going to affect the show at some point. I mean, it has since we've done it, but we've worked yeah. through it. So. Yeah. We always find be, some way to work around it. Yeah. So, you know, we'll, we'll probably have the odd days where it's like, Oh, well let's record, you know, Tuesday night or Sunday night. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. So there, there'll be, Days that we do the show live besides Thursday coming yeah. up. Um, yeah. Um, yes, Mixmaster. It's going to be 8 Central Thursday nights. And uh, Staff Sergeant Sketch has joined us in the chat, getting a lively chat room tonight. And yeah. I thank you guys for joining us. And I uh, hope, hope all you guys had a, a wonderful Thanksgiving. And I uh, know it was hard this year with COVID, not being able to be around family and all that stuff. So hopefully after the first of the year, things will... We'll get back to to normal somewhat uh, once we get, you know, the, this virus con- under control so we can actually start acting like humans again. That'll be nice. Fingers crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed. But let's go ahead and move into the news, shall we? Let's do it. This is a story we got from I Am The Rampage in our email. Uh, this is from NintendoLife.com. Sega just showed off a prototype handheld for the first time ever. Sega turns 60 this year, and the company's been celebrating that fact in a wider range of ways. One of which uh, is a special video history le- lesson which runs through the company's home hardware lineage. Um, it was held by Sega producer manager Hiroyuki Miyazaki and takes us from the early days of 1983's SG-1000, um, uh, released on in Japan as the same day as the Nintendo's uh, Famicom, uh, right the way up to Sega's final home console, the Dreamcast. Um, he, during the talk, Miyazaki goes into detail on how Sega was fond of using the names of planets as the internal code names for the systems. The exception being the Saturn, which retained its code name right up the way to launch. He speaks about the Sega Nomad, a portable Mega Drive system which was released in North America in 95 and was Sega's final attempt to wrestle control of the handheld market away from Nintendo. Spoiler, it didn't work. Um, a nice surprise was that Miyazaki showed off a prototype of the console that has, up until now, never been seen in public, still retaining the Venus code name. The prototype Nomad, Nomad is rather fetching and arguably more attractive than the oddly shaped sy- system we actually got. Um, and there is a video on, uh, they have that video here on the Nintendo Life site. So if you're interested in looking at that video, it's kind of cool looking, even though the colors are kind of drab. I think if they would have actually um, colored this thing, if you know, a different palette of colors, this thing probably would have taken off pretty well. It reminds me of an 80s Apple product. It does. And I'll throw this out there, too. I love the name Nomad. Yeah. I think that's a cool name for a handheld. That, that It's actually a really good name for a handheld. Something that, you know, you can take on the go. Like a mm-hmm. Nomad. <laughs> I guess that's the reason behind it. But still, it's a good name. I, I wonder how the battery life was compared to the game. <coughs> well, it did say it was a little uh, battery hungry. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've told stories on the show about having the game gear and essentially like the only time I can play it extensively is if you plug it into a wall, Yeah, which defeats the purpose of it being a handheld console. <laughs> yeah. But no, th- this, this looks really cool. Like I, I'm curious as what would have happened 
you know, had they released this. I mean, I still think Game Boy would have won the battle, but I I'd be curious to see how this would have fared, you know, had it been released as planned. Yeah, I mean, I like the look of it. Um, it d- was it color? Or was it I do, I do not know. Because if this thing was know. if this thing was like a kind of like a Game Gear, I don't know. I think it maybe it, it might have taken, like you said, might have taken away some of that uh, some of Nintendo's stronghold on the handheld market. Yeah, I love the comments on this article. So, like the the prototype name was Venus. One of the responses is, "I'm your Venus." I'm your fire at your desire <laughs> from Bananarama. <laughs> Bananarama. Oh, man. Somebody what a name said, strangely, this article makes me want to shave my legs. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> Someone God, wrote, just will... looking at it drains all the triple A's in my house. Yep. Yeah. I bet this thing yep. took like six double A's in the back, probably, and it lasted Wait, like... That's... 20 minutes. That's what, the game, that's what the Game Gear took, I think, with six double A's. Yeah. You, you can go through some batteries with the Game Gear. I'm sure. All right, I've been waiting for days mm-hmm. to talk about this, and I'm so glad you put it in the, on the Google Doc. Oh, yeah. From CNN.com, Super Nintendo World is opening at Universal Studios Japan in February. Here's a sneak peek. Get ready to slap on your Mario Kart racing gear and toss some Koopa shells. The world's first Super Nintendo World is set to open inside the Universal Studios Japan theme park in Osaka on February 4th, 2021. Executive executive producer Thomas Garati, I assume is how it's pronounced, of Universal Creative, the innovation and creative arm of Universal Studios, announced the opening date during a press conference on Monday inside the park's newly renovated Bowser Castle. He said the new addition to Universal Studios will offer an experience that can be found nowhere else in the world. It includes attractions based on the popular Mario series of games, which was first introduced in the 1980s, as well as restaurants and gift shops. If they don't have a stand where mushrooms are prepared in different ways, that is a major disservice. I was thinking that exact same thing. (laughs) But I I would highly recommend everyone go look at the uh, pictures that were posted so there's there's four photos so there's mario kart which i believe is going to incorporate augmented reality there is a um there's bowser's castle with a giant gold bowser statue that like i'm not gonna lie dude there's a there's a gif i believe it's of james mcavoy when he's like really sweaty and he's like waving his face with a giant like fan or a piece of paper yeah that was after i saw that picture i'm just like i have to go there right now dude that this the picture they have like looking up the stairs at the bowser statue is so freaking cool Mm-hmm. then they've also got the uh, mario kart trophies mm-hmm. uh, there's one there's i believe a universal um logo trophy as well it's not pictured in the article but i remember seeing it on twitter ah <sighs> I want to go to Japan so bad, but that's so expensive. (laughs) And then you have to, this is, um, from what I hear, you have to, it's sort of like um, what they did with uh, Galaxy's Edge, where you have to um, get your pass, like, and time that you're going to, you have to book your time that you're going to be in there. So I would imagine for at least the first year or two, it's going to be a pain in the ass to try and get in get in here. So I I mean going to Japan's like one of my big goals because I I love Japan. I want to go. I've always wanted to go. It's always been a money issue. But if this they build one of these in Florida or California, dude, I I will make the drive to to go there. Oh, one hundred percent. Like there, there will be no debate on it. Axeblade says Nerd Cave Meetup yeah. 2021 at Super <laughs> Nintendo World. I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> no, as I believe it is in the cards for it to be built in Universal Studios in Orlando. I think you know the reason they, but the thing is, you look at it; it's kind of small because it's just a land. Um, if you've ever been to like Islands of Adventure or something like that, it's not an entire park. 
It's more like, it's a uh, like yeah, like it's a section of the park. And, I, you know, they've got so much room in Florida to to expand and build things. Dude, I would, if they build it in Florida, I would want it to be like three times the size of this. Like, I would want, you know, Super Mario section. I want like a Metroid section. Um, I want, I want everything. I want it all. This is what they should do if they were to make like a full theme park like this. I want an entire Hyrule section. (laughs) I think at the middle of the whole park, you have to put Peach's Castle. Yeah. But somewhere off to the side, you got to have Hyrule. Mm -hmm. Give me, give me Hyrule Castle. Give me the Kokairi Forest. Mm -hmm. Heck, create holograms of some Zoras and I will swim with them. Give me Hyrule or give me death. Exactly. <laughs> um, no, nah, but this overhead picture looks awesome, but it does look like, I don't know if this is the whole section here, this, uh, you know, the whole little park, it, uh, but it looks like you could go through this in like a day, if that, like half a day. Yeah. Agreed. Also, like top three thing that I think they need to have at this thing. Donkey Kong themed roller coaster. Oh, dude. Yes. They got to have a Donkey Kong section. Base it on Donkey Kong Country. You're in a like the cart is a barrel and you go through Donkey Kong Island. That would be sick. Can you imagine if they if they somehow figured out how to shoot you from barrel to barrel? (laughs) That'd be awesome. I... I would urinate myself. Yeah, I would too. <laughs> but that, that uh, just seems like the wants to ride a that seems like the three things that would be uh, that would be a no brainer. You have Super Mario Land, you'd have Hyrule, and you'd have Donkey Kong Country. Like, yeah, that's if you're gonna do it, do it right. And somewhere in Donkey Kong Country, you have to have a small banana stand. Yeah. And you gotta have get... banana smoothies, banana ice cream, banana, banana everything, banana splits, banana Dole Whip. Yeah, banana Dole Whips. All oh, Wally would love the banana Dole Whips. <laughs> well, no lie, at Animal Kingdom in Disney World, one of my favorite places to go is the small fruit stand, and they sell like fresh apples, fresh fresh bananas. And they're so freaking good. Yeah. It's a very small thing, but like anytime I go to Animal Kingdom, I have to go by that fruit stand. You just, I, I, now I'm thinking about Dole Whips. I want one right now. Oh, man. Dole Whips are so I had good. a Dole Whip in uh, San Diego. Mm-hmm. It was really good. If anybody's, if you've never had a Dole Whip, you're missing out on one of the greatest frosty treats that has ever been invented. You want to talk about something I can gain some weight on? Oh, That's some Dole yeah. Whip. Dole Whips are so good. Dole Whip. <laughs> um, for our next story, uh, if I can get back to the Google Doc, um, let's see. Uh, the Sega Genesis had a VR headset that never shipped, but now you can try it for yourself virtually. This is on TheVerge.com. Um, in the annals of video games, there are an uncountable number of products, canceled games, scrapped hardware, that feel as though they've lost been lost to time. But most of the time, they're just not only forgotten and lost. And that's where the Video Game History Foundation steps in. As the name suggests, the foundation is an organization that preserves the history of video games piece by piece. Today, they've outdone themselves. The foundation's head digital conservationist, Rich Whitehouse, has written a long blog post about how he managed to resurrect a canceled game, Nuclear Rush, that was planned for the Sega Genesis VR helmet. What's more, White House actually managed to emulate the Sega VR headset hardware so it runs on current-gen VR headsets. Um, The Sega VR headset, which never made it beyond a prototype, was a marvel of early 90s engineering. Equipped with a high-frequency inertial measurement unit and two LCD screens, the Sega VR headset shares a lot of fundamental design with today's VR headsets. 
Um, that design was nothing short of revolutionary when Sega officially unveiled the unit to journalists and retailers in 93, promising to break new ground on the frontier of virtual reality. They miraculously hit their $200 target thanks to technology like license from a startup company called Ono Sendai, whose patented tracking solution could be manufactured for just $1. Um, I don't know if about you, but this uh, headset looks kind of cool. Like it does, it looks like something you would buy now. And it's crazy to think that VR was around back then. Yeah. But it, I want to say it was two or three years ago. It, I, I could be a bit off on my time, but VR was making a little bit of a comeback because I know Samsung did a VR headset. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just kept hearing more and more about virtual reality. And it's, it's sad, but when I think of virtual reality, the first thing I think of is the virtual boy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, you look at the stuff they're coming out with now, like the Oculus Rift and all that kind of stuff. Um, this headset actually looks like something you would buy now. Like you look at the Virtual Boy, and it's so awkward. You know, it sits on that stand. You got to put your face into it. Um, it gave you migraine after about ten minutes of playing it. Um, I'd be interested to if if I had a Vive or something like that, I would want to actually play this. And see what Sega was doing back then. Yeah, because I had no idea they were even working on a VR headset. I didn't either until I saw this article. I was like, wow. I'm wondering why... And this was in 93, too. Like, why did this never come out? Yeah, because Sega would have been... Yeah, they would have been very prevalent by this time. So, no, I, I have no clue why it was never completed, but... It'd be cool to see one of these in action. Yeah. As, what year did the uh, the Virtual Boy come out? Like, 96, 97? Uh, stand by and I'll tell you. So they were at least a couple of years ahead of Nintendo. With a better-looking uh, headset. <laughs> oh, for sure. Uh, it was re- Virtual Boy was released in Japan July 21st, 95, mm. and in North America August 14th of 95. Oh, yeah, so they were good two years ahead. Mm-hmm. They could have beaten Nintendo to the punch. <laughs> Axeblade said he remembers having the Sega 3D glasses for Master System. It sucked. <laughs> I forgot about those. Yeah, I forgot about that, too. Now, I remember, I remember now looking at the advertisements for the Sega Master System like in the the Sears Christmas catalog, and it had the little 3D glasses. Yep. Oh, man. Technology's come a long way. Yes, it has. And our last story comes to us once again from NintendoLife.com. Doom Eternal Switch eShop file size revealed. Uh, the little subline says, rip and clear some space. Hmm. Before Bethesda locked in a release date for Doom Eternal, there were rumors the physical version had been axed. Now it has been confirmed this title will be a digital-only release. This leaves Switch owners with no option but to make some space on their systems if they want to play it. So how much room will the sequel actually require? In case you missed our interview with Panic Button about the game, the file size clocks in at a meager 17.5 gigs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to so get this... this- we talked about it before the show. I want to get this so I can play it over Christmas, but that's a lot of space. And especially as someone who has been has made the transition to doing digital purchases, mm-hmm. that that's a lot. Yeah, I I get it, but it's still a lot. Honestly, I would much rather have gotten a physical release, especially for something this big. So I don't know. I might actually just get this on the PS4 or something. I would love to have this on my Switch, but that's a big file size. Well, and it continues by saying, how does this compare to 2016's Doom? That was a little bit bigger, clocking it at 22 gigs. But then ID Software's classic title, Doom 2, only requires 288 megabytes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. I mean, it looks great. This screenshot looks awesome. Oh, for sure. But uh, my, my thing is, like, I'm with you. With a game like this, I think you should have a physical release as an option. I think more often than not, 
even though so many more people have gone to digital, mm-hmm. you should still have the physical aspect of it. Yeah, especially for a game like this. Like this is a, a franchise that people that are into Doom have been into Doom since you know it first came out in like ninety what ninety two ninety three. Like yeah. I've been playing Doom since ninety three or yeah ninety three ninety four when I was in eleventh grade and. Dude, I mean, I've played most of the Doom games. I never played the 2016 Doom, and I haven't played the newest Doom. Um, I like the ones that came, that they had out for the Xbox and stuff. Like, I love the Doom series. I really want to play this, but like you said, that's kind of a, a chunk to take out of your, you know, your 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 file, your you know, your hard drive on the the Switch. That's just man. I w- I don't know why what they're thinking with not doing a, a physical release. Mixmaster says he misses the J.C. Penney and Sears catalog. Yeah, me too. You could seriously hurt somebody with that Sears catalog. Yeah, <laughs> I, that was like the best day when that came in the mail. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, so good. Yep. We were kids at the right time. We were, and I was talking about that with my girlfriend earlier today because they're doing, you know, uh, Christmas movie marathons. We were like, because she's a little bit younger than I am, but we were like, we were kids at the right time. Like, I wouldn't want to be a kid now. Oh, yeah. Me neither. I mean, who would want to be a kid during COVID? I know. (laughs) Yeah. No, thank you. But it's time for uh, this month in video game history. In December of 1980, Data East releases the Deco Cassette System, the first standardized arcade platform for which many games are developed. What did the Deco Arcades Cassettes... Oh, yeah, we talked about this. Mm-hmm. The first standardized arcade system that allowed arcade owners to change games. Mm-hmm. So you would buy a base cabinet, and the games would be stored on audio cassettes. And this gave you the ability to change out the tapes and That's put cool. different games in. Sort of an early like, cartridge like system. Yeah. Yeah, in a way. I would love one day to have like a physical, like old arcade machine. Oh, me too. Something like that. Like the, the, the mini ones are cool and all, but to have like an old school, like my, my dream one day is to have, or one of my dreams, I should say, to have a giant, Ninja Turtles arcade machine. Yeah, same. That that would be the one. I want that, and I want a Tron machine. Oh, Tron would be great. Tron would be really cool. Uh, December 12th of 1983, Nintendo publishes Donkey Kong Jr. Math for the Famicom. Everyone loves a good Nintendo educational yeah, One game. of Joey Image's favorite, favorite games. <laughs> yep, I thought of him whenever I put that in there. Mm-hmm. Who doesn't so want... Shout out to Joey Image. Who doesn't want to learn math when they're playing video games? Yeah, it's like whenever you're playing Mario is Missing, you learn about geography and mm-hmm. where things are in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. I don't want to learn. <laughs> <laughs> December 12th of 1983, Nintendo publishes Don... Oh, wait, not that one. This, uh, December 1984, Irem releases Kung Fu Master and lays the foundations for the beat-em-up genre. Kung Fu Master. I think one of the most iconic-looking arcade cabinets. Like, uh, yeah, when you look yeah. at that flyer, like you instantly know what Kung Fu Master is. Yeah. I mean, this was one of the first games I ever played for the Nintendo, too. Kung Fu. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a good memory. I, I have seen, you know, in my limited experience with arcades, I remember seeing Kung Fu Master quite a bit. Yeah. E- even, you know, into, into the 90s. Oh, yeah. It, it was still prevalent in arcades. That was an arcade staple. Mm-hmm. Let's see, December 1st of 1988, Nintendo releases Zelda II The Adventure of Link in America. The game had been released nearly two years earlier in Japan (laughs) on the Famicom Disk System before America even saw the first Legend of Zelda. It's a shame it didn't stay there. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say that same thing. (sighs) Uh, I mean, it's it's definitely the redheaded stepchild of the Zelda franchise. And... Oh, go ahead. It's a game. Yeah. 
<laughs> People I, I, it's one of those things that I feel like, because we mentioned this when we had Joey Image on when we did the Halloween episode. It's almost like Halloween 3, but we're on the opposite side of the argument. Yeah. If this if this had nothing to do with the Zelda franchise, I'll be like, it's not a bad game. Yeah. But because it's Zelda and it it was released after one of the most iconic video games ever made, you're like, what is this? This yeah. isn't Mario. It's supposed to be Zelda. Exactly. Maybe. You're going to love this next one. All right, let's see. December 2nd of 1989, the world premiere of the Universal Pictures film The Wizard is held at the Cineplex Odeon Theater in Universal City, California. The film, starring Fred Savage, Luke Edwards, Jenny Lewis, Christian Slater, and Bo Bridges, tells the story of two brothers who travel to a video game tournament. Ah, I love The Wizard. California. California. Oh, Mixmaster says he's unsubscribed now because of our thoughts on the <laughs> two. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I just I don't like that game at all. Yeah, it's the one good thing about it is that it introduced Dark Link because hmm. that that was a cool callback in Ocarina of Time when you're in the Water Temple and you have to fight him. But other than that, it's it's I mean, a very I, mad game. I really opinion. did try to go back and give it a give it uh, the benefit of the doubt. And try to play it and and play it on its own merit. But man, I just, I got like an hour or two into it. And I was like, man, I don't want to play this. This is just, this is not Legend of Zelda. Uh, Axeblade says, I would have loved to see the wizard back in theaters. Oh, yeah. I think I did see it in theaters back in the day. I know I had a uh, VHS tape. I taped it off of HBO. Or no, no, I actually, I... had rented it and and made a copy of it um, with two VCRs, and I wore that tape out, man. Yeah, I used to rent it all the time from the video store we had back in my hometown, and I was the only one who would rent it, so <laughs> they sold it to my mom. Yeah. <laughs> and then years later, like I hadn't seen the movie in a decade plus. When it was first released on DVD, I randomly saw it in Walmart, and instantly I was like, I got to get it. Yeah. Cause I'm like, st- holy crap. I haven't seen anything related to this movie in 15 years. I still have to get that, uh, Blu-ray release of it. Yeah, I do too. I do too. Mm. Uh, let's see. December 4th of 1992, Mega Man five is released by Capcom in the United States. It's another one. Eventually I have to get to and review. It seems like December, like November and December, are the popular months for Mega Man. Oh, yeah. They try like, to get like it out always be released around that time. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Christmas game. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I do want to get around to playing some of the Mega Man games at some point. No, besides you, should, Mega- you should start with Mega Man 11 on the Switch. That one was really I'm down good. with that. Yeah. Uh, December 3rd of 1996, LucasArts releases Star Wars Shadows of the Empire. For the Nintendo 64. Still angry that they that Shadows of the Empire is no longer canon. One of the biggest travesties <sighs> of, of the Disney purchase. Damn you, Disney. Because when it comes to what's now known as the Legends mm-hmm. portion of the Star Wars universe, this has to be the most known. Because you had the novel, you had the graphic novel, you had the video game. There was, I remember... Seeing it in you know books a million on CD for an audiobook, yeah. like the, the Shadows of the Empire was huge when yeah. it came out. Well, I mean, it was books and video games and comic books, and and they even released a soundtrack mm-hmm. for a movie that never existed. You know, like it was a huge uh, Star Wars release, and. I, I just don't understand. I mean, it was it was from LucasArts, and I, I and I don't know why. I, I still think it should be canon. Hello, Retro Game Brews. How are you doing tonight, sir? Retro Game Brews. But yeah, that that's just dumb that they don't that Shadows of the Empire is no longer canon. Yeah, yeah, it, it's one of those things that I think because it took place kind of in that sweet spot of Star Wars. You know, it takes place between Empire and Jedi and tells what happens between those two movies. Mm-hmm. I still think 
if they were to do a Boba Fett movie or even a miniseries, tell the story of how he got Han Solo to Jabba. Mm -hmm. And you can take, because that's, to me, the best elements from the Shadows of the Empire story. Or all the bounty hunters like IG-88, Bosk, Dengar, all of them trying to find Boba Fett, and he outsmarts all of them. Mm -hmm. uh, and, th and I don't know about you, but the, the part where you're on the trash planet and you're being chased by IG-88 is still one of the most frightening things I've ever been through in a video game. Mm -hmm. Being chased by IG-88, that was so cool. I loved it. Oh, that, yeah, no, Mixed the, Master, that menu music was great. Mm-hmm. Mm, man. But to close us out for this month in video game history, on December 15th of 1998, Nintendo releases The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening DX for the Game Boy Color, not Degeneration X from <laughs> WWF. But yeah. uh, this was... Uh, so when the Game Boy Color came out, it was this huge deal that Nintendo had a system or a handheld system that played games in color. So they went back and remastered Link's Awakening with an extra dungeon called the Color Dungeon, where when you beat the final boss, you get the choice of either red armor or blue armor, where red increases your offense and blue increases your defense. But you could only use it, or you could only access that dungeon if you had a Game Boy Color, because you were quizzed at the beginning of the dungeon to guess the colors of different things. Mm. And you obviously can't if you have a black and white Game Boy. Yeah. So it, it's been a game that I've gone back and replayed several times, but we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Oh, yeah. And before we go into the review tonight, Derek has shout-outs. As always, we like to shout-out our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. We want to shout-out Armes Jackson, Axeblade07, Daniel Salmon, John Jekyll, a.k.a. Mixmaster, Carlos Longoria, Staff Sergeant Sketch, Randy Bailey, and Tyler Watson. Thank you guys so much for your continued contributions. And because you've kept us at the $50 level, we will continue to do fun commentary tracks. We recently did the Batman Mask of the Phantasm commentary. I don't know about you, but it was great to go oh, back yeah. and watch that movie again. That, that's the bad thing when we actually watch something that we like. We, we we tend to get quiet and be like, oh, yeah, we're supposed to be talking now. <laughs> yeah, we're supposed to be making fun of this, not yeah. enjoying it. <laughs> but that one was great. It's it's available right now on Patreon. Um, you can get to it on, on the lowest Patreon level. You get it way earlier than any everybody else. So head on over there, patreon.com slash NerdCaveRetro. Sling us a couple bucks a month. Help keep the lights on over here, and we'll keep doing those commentary tracks every month. And as a brand new addition, we mentioned this last week on the show, but starting in January, we're going to do monthly franchise discussions. So the first poll is up on the Patreon page. And if I remember correctly, I think Metroid is actually in the lead. Mm -hmm. So I, it's, it's, they're really good options regardless of what's discussed. So uh, if you want to, if you haven't voted yet, head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. And tonight we're going to be talking about talking about Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening, the remaster for the Nintendo Switch. It's an action-adventure game developed by Grezzo and published by Nintendo for the Nintendo Switch. It was released on September 20th, 2019. It is a remake of the 1993 game for the Game Boy. It retains the original top-down perspective and gameplay, along with elements from the 1998 re-release, Link's Awakening DX. Uh, the game features a retro-modern art style, Unique within the series with toy-like character designs, diorama-like world designs, and tilt-shift visuals that evoke the original game's presentation on the Game Boy. Um, as of March 2020, the game has sold over 4 million copies worldwide, making it one of the best-selling Nintendo Switch games. Um, I don't know about you, but the first thing that really struck me about the game was the look. 
of it and like like that um that retro modern art style it's perfect it's so good and it, it i still want i still want a link to the past remake done this way i want a brand new zelda game done this way like give a whole brand new story oh this game is so good and, and jump in because i'll just ramble about how good this game is well, the thing about the the art style and the graphics of the game, we've touched on this before, but since Twilight Princess, Zelda really hasn't done anything that looks ultra-realistic. It's had some type of an animation feel to it. Yeah. And when I saw the, the first trailer for this, because you know, I, I played the original uh, back when it was out for the Game Boy, and when I saw this was being remade, I lost it. Like I was literally like, like kind of like legitimately giddy about the whole thing because this game never got the attention that it deserved because of the system that it was for. And yeah, the gameplay is very similar to Link to the Past, but that's part of its charm. Yeah. Like to me, you, you could make the argument that Link to the Past is a perfect Zelda game. And don't get me wrong, like I love Ocarina of Time, I like Majora's Mask, I love Breath of the Wild, but that top-down view of going through dungeons and solving puzzles and finding the item that you need to get past certain points in the dungeon, that old-school Zelda side, and it goes back to the original one, there's just something magical Mm -hmm about that style of gameplay for Zelda. And I think the art style works perfectly for Zelda. Like I, I love the animated aspect of the Zelda franchise. And I, I think because of the environment, I think of the characters and honestly, just the whole game overall in general, I think the art style is perfect. Yeah. Retro game. Bruce said it. He feels like you're reading his mind. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, because you know me and my love for Link to the Past. So playing this, as soon as I jumped into the game and started playing it, this this game has, over this last week, like it, it has scratched every video game itch I've had for the last, I can't tell you how long. I've been searching for the perfect game to play that just, you know, just scratches every itch that you have. And I don't know what it is about, about the top down Zelda games, Uh, even going back to the original, like I can sit and play the original for hours. I can play link to the past from beginning to end. You know, and something about that top down and the way this game looks, you know, that, that, that plastic look to everything. Like it looks some of it looks real, some of it looks plastic, but it looks like a a little playset. Like you can just reach into the screen and like move stuff around. You know, it's just it's magic, and it it's perfect. It's a perfect video game. Is all I can say. And I don't know what what else I can possibly say about it other than it just it's perfect and i have had so much fun playing this game the last few days i have gotten um and and we've talked about it before where um you know with breath of the wild they had the shrines and they don't have the dungeons that was one of the biggest things i felt was missing from breath of the wild is there's something about the dungeons and that's a uh, that's just a staple of Zelda games for me is dungeons, going into the dungeons, getting you know finding the map, finding the compass, um, getting your your upgrades, you know, getting lots of rupees and all the things you need to progress through the game. You know, new weapons, what what have you? Like that's the Zelda experience to me, and I think I I hope in Breath of the Wild too they bring back dungeons uh, or maybe a mix of dungeons and shrines. But when it comes to just Zelda in general, like this game, I want more games in this style. I want them to do a link to the past remake. I want them to do a brand new Zelda adventure. And it can't be that hard to, to make new Zelda adventures in this style. 
Well, and I think next year, it being the 35th anniversary of the franchise, I I think we are going to get similar to what we saw with the Mario All-Stars, the 3D All-Stars uh, compilation. I think we will get something like that, maybe with Ocarina of Time, with Majora's Mask, and maybe like a Skyward Sword. If they did a remake of Link to the Past in this style, like you would probably be able to hear me scream from your apartment. Yeah. <laughs> you and me both. Let, let, let me ask you this. So this game takes place, it does take place in Hyrule. It's, it's set mm-hmm. on Koholan Island. Yeah. Where basically what happens, it, for those who haven't played the game, so this is the same Link from Link to the Past. He is caught up in a storm. He's on a, his ship sailing. Uh, he's caught in a storm and he washes up on this island that he learns is named Koholan Island. He's rescued by a girl named Marin, and he goes on a quest to find the uh, the eight instruments of the sirens to awaken the windfish, who is asleep in a giant egg that sits on top of the highest mountain on the island. So what what did you think about the story being taken away from Hyrule, and what have you thought of the story itself? Um. I like the story. It's it's simple, and it really kind of, because of its simplicity, it kind of sucks you in, and you kind of learn a little bit more about what's going on as you go through the game. Um, well, I mean, that's pretty standard, but, <laughs> you know, it, it's different, like you said, it's different from other Zelda games. doesn't take place in Hyrule. Um, that doesn't bother me at all. It, the cool thing I find about it, it's still a lot of the same enemies from Hyrule, and a lot of enemies from uh, from Super Mario Land, you know, you yeah. got you got Goombas and um, Loopers. Yeah, and that I was shocked when when that, those things popped up. I'm like, whoa, we're we're like crossing the streams here a little bit, and um, I'm totally okay with that. And um, but yeah, as far as the story goes. Like we talked about, I'm not quite finished yet. I'm on the very last dungeon right now before going up against the windfish, and then I'm done. And um, but man, the stories kept me going. The gameplays kept me going. Um, just going and finding all the secrets. That's that's another thing. The the fun thing about Zelda is finding all the little secrets. You know, finding the the cracks in all the walls and the the hidden tunnels and figuring out all the puzzles and you know, finding one um, hidden area that you can't quite get to yet and you can't figure out how you're supposed to get through it until later in the game when you get, you know, a new weapon or something that allows you to um, <clears throat> go back to that that secret area and get past it. So that's that's the magic of the Zelda games. Well, and I feel like, too, especially with this game, there are just the right amount of collectibles. So there are side quests you can do. One where you um, it starts out with you winning a Yoshi doll, another yeah. Mario reference. You win a Yoshi doll on this crane machine in uh, Mabe Village, and then you trade it for an item. Then you trade that item for something else. Yeah. And it eventually gets you. I don't know if you've collected all the items yet. Yeah, I have. But, just okay. finished that last night, that whole quest line. Yeah. It ends with you being able to get the boomerang, which yeah. is actually one of the most powerful weapons in the entire game if you use it right. Yeah. But um, it, there's that. There's also finding the seashells. And if you find a certain amount, then you get your sword upgraded. So in the, the color dungeon that I mentioned earlier when we were talking about Link's Awakening DX, that's in the remake. So you can get a red a tunic or a blue tunic. So I always go with the blue tunic because it raises your defense. That's what I Because your offense is your offense is going to get increased anyway when you get the upgraded sword. So yeah. that makes you like the ultimate fighting machine. <laughs> oh yeah. But uh no, I'm I'm glad you're enjoying it. I mean, I, I knew you would because I knew you're a huge fan of Link to the Past and this game is as we've mentioned very similar. I'm just happy that it sold the amount of uh units that it has. Because it's such a good and overlooked Zelda game. Yeah. Because yeah, it follows the formula, but it's not in Hyrule. It's got a, to me, a pretty good story. Like you said, it's simplistic, but 
it, it, it's good to follow and it's to me a good story. There's enough side quest to keep you busy where you can do stuff other than go to each dungeon and mm -hmm. get the different instruments. Yeah. It's just such, such a good game. And I was so happy that it was remade. And I've I've played through the remake, I think, twice now. It, it's it's just been so, so fun to go back and play. Yeah, it's definitely something that has replay value, too. Uh, you know, after you get through it that first time, it seems like it would be even more fun the second time because you know a little bit better how to solve some of the puzzles. You can get through things a little bit quicker. Um, and it's just, I, I, like you said, I'm glad that, the, that it sold as many copies as it did. Cause I would, I, I still am holding out hope that we're going to get the, finally get a link to the past remake. Um, and, and, you know, with the 35th anniversary coming up next year, it's very possible. What if we get something, a remake of the very first legend of Zelda in this style? I'd be down for that. What if we get both? And well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. We could get the, the, the Zelda all-stars. We get you know, Zelda original legend of Zelda a link to the past. And, uh, I don't know if I want Zelda two in there. <laughs> Nah, we can leave that out. Yeah, we can leave that one out. Yeah. It'd be cool if, say, like, early next year they release, let's say, the remakes of Link to the Past in the original game. Then maybe in the summer we get the 3D All-Stars, like what we mentioned with Mario, with Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, and, and Skyward Sword. Because to me, Wind Waker and Twilight Princess got their their remakes on the Wii U. Now they can port those over. Yeah, that that's the thing. They need to go ahead and port those over. Cuz I would love to play through Wind Waker again. But then have it the culmination of it would be around the holidays, Breath of the Wild 2. Yeah. If that happens, uh, 2021 would be like the greatest <laughs> year ever. It's the year of Zelda. I mean, how can you go wrong with that? You can't. It's the 35th anniversary of Metroid, too, so it's like they, they have a chance to do some really good stuff all throughout the year. Yeah, I really hope that, that they do have something big planned for Zelda and Metroid. I'm just hoping we get, we got to get Metroid Prime 4 next year. We have to. I mean, again, they could do a remastered version of the Metroid Prime trilogy. Mm -hmm. Maybe release it in the spring. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, also, like you, you can do both Zelda and Metroid for Christmas. Yeah, I don't see why not. You don't have to do one. Next year would be a big money year for. Not that it, the past few years haven't been big money years for Nintendo, but if they come out with some Zelda remakes, uh, uh, Breath of the Wild two, Metroid remakes, and then Metroid Prime four next year, holy crap! Nintendo's gonna make some money. They've already got my me. money. I'm just waiting for them to give me the games. Yeah, Axplato 7 says, I bet they do have a huge Zelda celebration next year with ports and Breath of the Wild 2. Mm -hmm. it, it makes total sense, which is why Nintendo probably won't do it. But yeah. again, <laughs> it makes total sense. Yeah. But man, as far as uh, the, the Link's Awakening remaster, dude, I don't think I could give a, possibly give a game a higher score than what I could give this one. I mean, we do a, a, a scale of 1 to 10. This gets a solid 10 because this has been exactly what I needed. And it's nothing more, nothing less. It is a perfect Zelda game. Even though it, it doesn't have Zelda, it doesn't have Hyrule, it has Link, um, but it is the Link from A Link to the Past. So if you like Link to the Past, which it's one of my favorite video games of all time, you're going to like this game. And I, I did play this on the Game Boy back in uh, 19, was 90, 91 when it first came out. Because the Game Boy I got, this was the pack-in game for the Game Boy. And I bought it specifically for this game. But I was just never really impressed with the Game Boy itself. So I never finished it back then. Yeah, I and I get that too because the the Game Boy graphics weren't that great, but the the good thing about Link's Awakening was that the gameplay was still there. Like it played exactly like Link to the Past. Yeah. And I think that's why I fell in love with it. And um 
Mixmaster mentioned uh, the Rock's Feather, one of the items that you get in this game, because it gives you an ability that Link very rarely has, and that's the ability to jump. Yeah. But see, like that, that was incorporating a little bit of Zelda 2, but the way they did it made sense, and I actually really liked it. Yeah. And that's the cool thing about this game is you can button map with some of the different uh, uh, abilities that you get, so you can switch pretty easily uh, some of your abilities. And that that was a cool thing I found about the game too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Axeblade says, "Hearing rumors of Game Boy Advance games coming to Switch online, I hope so. I would love that. Game Boy Advance had some really good games." Yeah. But no, I'm glad you, I'm a little surprised that you gave it a perfect 10, but it's, I don't disagree with it. It's what, like you, like you said, what would you give it? Oh no, I would give it a 10 as well. Oh yeah. I mean, how yeah, could no, you it, not? It, <laughs> how could you not? If it's, if you're a Zelda fan, it's everything you want. And yeah. like you said, even though it doesn't take place in Hyrule and it doesn't feature Princess Zelda. It still has that. We talk about the Nintendo magic. There is a Zelda magic as well, and this game is full of it. Yeah. Uh, if you're a fan of the top-down Zelda-type games, don't get me wrong. I thought Breath of the Wild was was fantastic, like one of the best uh, open-world games you know I, I've ever played. But like I said, there was just some things that were missing from it that just didn't feel like Zelda. Like the whole... like. <laughs> there's a whole genre of games like, you know, the dungeon crawlers that wouldn't exist if it wasn't for, for legend of Zelda. So having a legend of Zelda game without dungeons is like, I, I don't know. It's like, <laughs> what's a good comparison there? It's almost like having a Mario game without the ability to jump. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Like, I, I don't know. It just, doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, even though I, you know, I, I did kind of dig the shrines thing, but the shrines get old after a while. Like I defeated that game, I finished the game, and I still haven't even done half the shrines in the game. I didn't hate the change to the shrines, but since it's happened, I would much prefer them to go back to the dungeon aspect. Of yeah, it. I want dungeons. That's. I want dungeons. I want loot. I, I, you know, I want I want a loot grind basically mm-hmm. when it comes to Zelda. I want to find items. I want to find money and rupees and you know new armor and new new weapons and all that kind of stuff. So that's what I want from Breath of the Wild too. And hopefully they they bring back that that aspect of Legend of Zelda. Hopefully so. I did enjoy the cooking though. Cooking was one of my favorite things to do in the game. Oh, the cooking was, I wasn't expecting to like it as much as I did, but once I got started, I'm like, I can get into this. Yeah. Making all kind of weird stuff. And it was always awesome when you're like just mixing together like random, uh, random ingredients. And all of a sudden you hear that ping that you made something Mm -hmm. good and you're like, Ooh, what did I make? (laughs) Couldn't you make like apple pie? Yeah. You can make all kind of stuff. Yeah. Because I remember making some type of pie, and I'm like, ooh, now I actually want it in real life. Yeah, Axeblade said he can't wait to start playing it this weekend. Um, I talked him into getting it the other day over the weekend. And uh, sorry, man, I, I, know <laughs> I had to talk you into getting it. I, I, you're not going to be disappointed, trust me. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I've probably put in, how many hours did it take you to beat it? I would say I've probably put anywhere from... 12 to 14 hours so far into it and I'm almost done. As far as how many hours I was in when I beat Calamity Ganon, I'm not sure, but I've put over 100 hours into that game. Oh no, I I'm talking about uh um Link's Awakening. Oh, Link's Awakening. Oh, um Oh jeez. Oh yeah, I think I put like 72 hours so far into Breath of the Wild. Um, the Link's Awakening. I think it 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 would they'll take you roughly. I'd say probably about between twelve and fifteen hours to finish it. Yeah, I, I can't remember because it's been a bit since I've played through it, but that sounds right. It's a pretty lengthy game for being you know something that was on the original Game Boy. Um, 
and you know it, it's weird because like, like man this game has taken um you know it's it's the size of a link to the past maybe a little bigger the original mm-hmm. world even though link to the past had two different worlds to go to um well and if you think about it you have eight dungeons yeah plus plus the final one then you have your side quest you have the collectibles so there there's a lot to do in this game to keep you occupied and yeah to think that it was that big on the Game Boy. Mm-hmm. That's even more impressive. I know. Mixmaster said his file was 190 hours. Dude, you're a maniac. <laughs> Man, I don't know if I put that much into it. Wow. Yeah, I, I gave up on trying to find all the Koroks. Yeah, same here. Oh, uh, but man, this game was so good. Axe Blade, I'm glad you got it. And uh, anybody out there that hasn't played it yet, do yourself a favor. If you have a Switch, get this for Christmas. It it, I, it might still be on sale right now. I got it for thirty nine on the uh, the Switch store. Uh, it was on sale for I think thirty percent off. It's normally sixty, so it's not a bad deal. I, I got forty dollars worth of entertainment so far out of it. I think lots That's of replay value, especially if you like Z- the Zelda franchise. This is definitely one that needs to be in the collection. I really wish I'd have bought a physical version of it, but I couldn't pass up $40 for, you know, a downloadable digital version. Um, yeah. Because I would love to have this sitting on the shelf just because I'm that, that person. But if you're, if you're not worried about that and you're listening to this, just go pick it up. It's probably still on sale. And um, it's perfect. It's a perfect video game. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's this. I mean, there have been like I like most of the Zelda games, but there have been few that to me like capture a certain level of magic. Mm-hmm. And this is one of them. Yeah, I got. So I love many, Link's Awakening. I got so many Links to the Past vibes playing this game. I was like, man, this. I feel like I'm I'm 13 years old again playing Link to the Past. When you beat the final dungeon, let me know, because I really want to get your thoughts on the ending. Oh, I will. I'll I'll have it finished by this weekend, definitely. Yeah, because I'll be curious to get your thoughts on it. Yeah, I, w- I was trying so hard to finish it before the show tonight, but, man, it it's taken me... Uh, I'm kind of dumb when it comes to figure out some of the... I get stuck a lot in some of the dungeons, and it takes me a while to figure out what I'm supposed to do. It happens to me, too. Yeah, and sometimes I have to cheat. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, your secret's safe with me. Oh, there was one dungeon, I think it was the second or third dungeon I was in. I just completely got stuck and had no idea what to do. And then I just went around the dungeon like 20 times trying to figure out what to do. So I went to YouTube and watched a video. and I was like, oh, I'm an idiot. I missed one little thing that was right in front of me the whole time. Was it the uh, Bottle Grotto? Uh, I think so. I think it was the it's Bottle Grotto. The second one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that one's confusing. Yeah, it, and and what it, I can't even remember what it was. It was like I had to go kill a shy guy or something like that, and um, it, I, it, it just completely went right over my head. Something so simple, and it just went right over my head because I was overthinking it like I usually do. No, I feel you on that one. And that's the the trick of Zelda. Sometimes you you find yourself overthinking it and you get stuck and you get frustrated. So I just sometimes if I just stop and walk away from it for a little while, I'll come back in like an hour or so and it's like, "Oh, there it is right in front of me." Yeah. Uh Axplay said Luigi's Mansion was on sale for 30 bucks on a flat Walmart flash sale. Wow. I would have huh. picked that up too. That's not bad. The um the new Luigi's Mansion? Yeah. Yeah, I've I have the new one. I just haven't like sat down and played it yet. Yeah, that might be yeah. one that I do during Christmas. Yeah, this was supposed to be my Christmas game, but I'm almost finished, so I'm going to have to find a good Christmas game in the next few weeks and uh like I said, I'd love to play Doom Eternal, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to get it on the Switch because of that file size. Yeah. So I might have to get something else for the Switch. And uh, I'm actually kind of thinking about just getting the original Resident Evil 
because they have it on the Switch store for twenty bucks, and I I kind of want to review that. Yeah, might do that. I might get Resident Evil Three for PS4 because I've been wanting to play that too. No, that sounds great. But uh, we're coming up on the end of the show. Um, is there anything you wanted to throw out there before we leave this evening? Yeah, just uh, actually before we did the show live, I did uh, a live edition of the Derek Diamond Experience where I list uh, my top five Christmas movies, trying to mm-hmm. get into the Christmas spirit. So the audio version of that will be out uh, by the time you listen to this on the download. So if you enjoy Christmas movies, check that out. Uh, I've got some fun interviews coming up over the next couple of weeks. So as always, be sure to follow the show on social media at D diamond podcast and new episodes drop every Thursday on all podcasting platforms. Uh, my top five Christmas movies are Christmas vacation, Christmas vacation, Christmas vacation, die hard and Christmas vacation. <laughs> I knew you had to throw die hard in there. <laughs> you know, it is I, a Christmas movie. Uh, yeah, it's a Christmas movie. And if you don't agree, then unsubscribe right now. To our, from our show, <laughs> um, I did watch uh, both of the Christmas Chronicles movies on Netflix over the weekend. If you haven't watched those, they're actually really good. I love that Kurt was Russell. on um, that was on Rampage's list that he sent was the the first one. I actually like the uh, second one better than the first one. I need to watch <clears throat> those. I I need to start getting into like the the Christmas movie watching. Yeah, you'll like you'll definitely like them. Kurt Russell plays a really good santa claus (laughs) oh i don't doubt it yeah it's really and if anybody out there if you haven't watched the christmas chronicles yet it definitely put me in the christmas uh spirit watching those this last weekend no i'm excited to check those out uh as far as me um tomorrow night join us right here at seven o'clock uh p.m central for open micers with me and uh comedian jacob craig we're going to be talking to sherry nelson She's an actress and producer. Uh, she was in John Wick Chapter 2 and It and uh, something called BH90... Oh, Beverly Hills 90210. Duh. <laughs> okay. I'm dumb. Um, so she's going to be on tomorrow night. And uh, you can find that at Open Micers on Twitter and uh, Open Micers on Facebook. And follow me at JFunktastic on Twitter. So I think that's going to do it for this week. Is that everything? I think so. God, we we took like that week off, and now I can't remember how the show how to do the show. I can't I've been remember. having to shake off the rust still. I can't remember how to show. How do I show, Derek? How do I podcast? How do I how do I do this? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> if you'd like to email us, email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We're at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro and individually at jfunktastic and at Derek underscore diamond. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. And of course, we're on Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro, where if you throw us a couple of bucks a month, Keep the lights on. We will continue to do those commentary tracks if we stay above the $50 a month level. And I know you guys like those, so keep throwing us the cash. And if you can't do that, please leave us a review wherever fine podcasts are given away for free. Uh, So, Derek, please tell them what it's all about. May the way of the hero lead to the Triforce. Yes. Wise man say, forgiveness is divine, but never pay full price for late pizza.